Sean, I'm going to ask you a question. How long do you think you could listen to the Sundays before you got bored? Is it a matter of minutes, a matter of hours, a matter of weeks, a matter of years? I think it's uh, weeks because back in the old days when we had those CD changers in our cars, Mm -hmm. if you were lucky enough to have one of those, I would like keep that one on over that whole album with the dead baby. It's actually a baby doll, but it looks like a dead baby. It's not a dead baby. It's a it's an old school plastic baby it's doll. A dead, it's a dead baby to me. You're you're problematic. I'm sorry I that am, I even I asked am. you a question. That's Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. This is the Brian Oak Show, episode 31. Thank you very much. And I'm very excited about the guest we're going to have today because she is a genuine friend of mine. I have spent more than 25 years doing what I did for a living in radio, really going out of my way to make a division between my personal and my professional life. Before I started doing radio, I had enough friends and really good friends that I loved. And so I was very guarded about the people that I let into my personal life. But sometimes, well, you don't get to pick what you love and you can't resist fate. Before we talk about Jill Riley joining us coming up here very shortly, I do want to mention we're broadcasting from the Smart Start MN studios. Smart Start MN, the original ignition interlock company in Minnesota. What does that mean? Well, you have too much to drink or a friend of yours has too much to drink or a friend of a friend of a friend or maybe a distant relative that you still kind of like somehow these are the people that have been had they have years and years of experience of getting back into your vehicle sooner than you expected for less than you expected and that's an important thing your life is already going to be turned upside down enough by a DUI these are the people who will get you back on board who will get you back to doing what you need to do even though it will be an expensive process not them, but just going through a DUI and a difficult process, they can help mitigate a lot of that difficulty and expense and get you back to living as much of a normal life as you possibly can. And if you're Irish like us, you know that again, an Irish wake, if you look right outside the Irish wake, there's just a just a line of police cars waiting to give you DUIs after that Irish wake. Well, I mean, we all have quotas to fill, don't we, Sean? We do. We do. Indeed. How do people get a hold of Smart Start MN and what's the best possible way for them to not only get their life back on track, but support The Brian Oak Show? If you go to smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oak Show, they'll actually give you a 20% off uh, installation. It also helps them track... The advertising, so they can say, oh, yeah, we're not just doing this because we love Brian. We are doing it because we actually want a few more customers. So uh, go to smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oak Show. You can also link directly to that from thebrianoakshow.com. I'm very excited to talk to this episode's guest, Jill Riley, because she really has become a very dear friend of mine. But first, I have to tell a very quick story. I am in Facebook jail right now, Sean. Again? Uh, I I know. So last time was nothing. I posted a song by Pixies off their Surfer Rosa album, which features a topless flamenco dancer. But the photographer who took that picture is one of the most celebrated 80s indie photographers in history. It is clearly artful. It is not lascivious. Yes, she doesn't have a shirt on, but they're just boobs. Can everyone settle down? Apparently not. That put me in three-day Facebook jail. I'm now in seven-day Facebook jail. What's next? Well... Hopefully not. This one to me, I saw a friend, a a former co-owner of Grumpy's Downtown who moved away years ago out to Palm Springs, David, who is a good friend and one of the funniest people on Facebook or on social media anywhere that I've ever known. He shared a link to a video. Uh, Are you familiar with, I'm not even really sure how to start this. Are you familiar with the concept? uh, Have you ever heard of the company Bad Dragon? Let me start there. 
No, but it sounds like a sexual thing. It is, absolutely. So Bad Dragon, they specialize, from what I've been told and what little I've been able to glean so far, because, again, this isn't really my world either, they specialize in sex toys that are supposedly modeled after mythical creatures. Hmm. So dragon dildos are available. Okay. This one in particular, this particular video, featured what is known as an alien... Hang on, I'm so bad at these things. Ov, whatever an alien Juan would Kenobi? use. No, whatever an alien would use to deposit an egg inside of your orifice. Okay. Um, this is supposedly what that looks like. But here's the thing that you have to remember: there aren't dragons, and as far as we know, there aren't aliens. No one knows what this thing. But apparently, there's a fetish out there where this thing delivers silicone eggs into your orifice, hmm. and it's a thing now. The the link that I, I thought I just liked it, but apparently in my enthusiasm I shared it. This one was modified to deliver jello shots into your mouth. And so we're just having a little fun at a party, right? <laughs> like someone brings out this great big silly silicone thing with a flanged end, and that's how we're gonna have our jello shots tonight. So to me, this was funny. I'm like, well it it can't be sexually dangerous if it doesn't exist. But the silicone reinterpretation of whatever someone's imagination came up with was, so I thought I was looking at a funny way to do jello shots. But apparently what I was doing was sharing sexually dangerous material that violated <gasps> Facebook community standards. I'm in Facebook jail for the next seven days. Yeah, and yet I saw, you know, somebody with their AK-47 shooting at a picture of former President Obama. But that can stay up for weeks, it's, you know? It, 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 it is mind-bending to me. So, like, even so, and it turns out it wasn't apparently dragon-shaped, but it's made by the company Bad Dragon. So if dragons don't exist... And we're just imagining what their ding dongs might look like. What? How? How? How are you violating? What kind of? Com- Did someone sit down and be like, "No dragon wangs <laughs> on Facebook ever"? Well, there's a whole department. There's a whole wing in Facebook land. I'm sure that's like dedicated to what you can't have on Facebook. And again, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Nobody was being taken advantage of. The two people standing in the kitchen enjoying jello shots were just enjoying jello shots in a very strange, unusual way. Yeah. We live in a stupid, backwards, upside down world. As you said, the AK 47 on Obama, yeah, or yeah. the amount of hate that's allowed to proliferate, or the genuinely, the, the genuinely awful things in, that people do and the way they depict their fellow human beings. But this was like a silly cartoon fantasy way of getting drunk in the kitchen. And now I'm in jail. How, what am I supposed to do? Where are the lines? How? I need a pamphlet. I need a fucking pamphlet. Can you give out the web address to Bad Dragon? I'm assuming that if so, I, I looked it up online, it was it's it's bad. I'm not googling it, Jill. Bad. That'll be on my permanent record forever. My wife will be like, "What the hell is this?" And you'll be She's like, "Methodist." Yeah. Ooh, you know how the Methodists are. Oh. Yeah, no. She's I, like, can Bad Dragon find the G spot? Oh, oh, sorry. Wow, <laughs> she, she doesn't wow. listen. You know. but, but other people do. Other people do. In any event, um, I um, I so I I'm incommunicado. I can't do Messenger. I can't do Facebook. I can't do anything to promote the show of the other forms of social media. Also, fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. Fuck you. Just beat it, nerd. <laughs> go get a Jello shot out of an alien. <laughs> Ova receptor or whatever the hell it's called.
Out of Charlotte, North Carolina, a band that made it from the early 80s until 1990, and they missed the alt explosion by that much. They just missed it. I saw them live once, and they were an explosive, dynamic live rock band. I would say every bit as exciting live, well, except they wore more clothes than the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But if you imagine a southeastern band that opened up for the likes of B-52s, uh, REM, but had a real dynamic energy like a lot of neon clothing and were able to do it. A Red Hot Chili Peppers with a female lead singer, Fetchin' Bones right there. Mm, love Crushing. I absolutely love that song back in the late 80s. It's an all-female February here on The Brian Oak Show, and I am delighted to say hello to this episode's guest. Her name is Jill Riley. Now, why does that name ring a bell for you? Well, Probably because you grew up in Hutchinson, or at some point in the last 15 years, you've listened to Minnesota Public Radio's station, music station, The Current, where she has been a staple since the very, very earliest of days there, and I was lucky enough to share a little communal space with her for a few years not so long ago. Hi, Jill. How are you? Hi. This is great. I can't believe that you're actually here on the podcast. We're in the same studio. Talking on microphones at the same time. looked at that face in a while. It's been a minute. No, we haven't done this together in in quite a while um we've seen each other but we haven't done this how have you been i i'm all right yeah things are going well good i'm busy yeah busier than i have been in a long time i'll bet um but i'm still doing the radio thing yeah just celebrated my 15th anniversary wow at the current which it's just unheard of to be in the same place that long Uh, and in a place that i mean i grew up there yeah you know grew up really grew into and grew up there. I mean, you're only 28 now, so you started there when you were like 11, right? I mean, well, I was I was 22 when I got hired. Uh-huh. And I shortly after turned 23, and so do the math on that. Yeah. But I was fresh out of college, St. Cloud State, which speaking of St. Cloud, I spent my morning watching the press bar burn down. Ooh. And that's in St. Cloud? That's in St. Cloud. I spent a lot of time there. And so the press bar burnt down literally this morning. Overnight. Right. At some point, it caught fire, and it is a total loss. Like the building is gone. And, and was this like a was this a staple? So college years are not like normal human years. Right. I mean, you occasionally stay out later than you should, and you make bad choices, and you maybe <laughs> indulge a little more than you should. Was the press bar a regular hang for you? Oh, for sure. Um, when I gave the speech at my best friend's wedding, so I was the maid of honor, and I didn't want to do the. We've been friends for so long, and I'm going to cry the whole time. And then, like, the guy, the best man, gets up and does the funny speech. No, I want to do the funny speech. Yeah, that's Jill Riley. And so I ran. Now, I graduated from college with honors. I spent a lot of time at KVSC, and that was the college radio station. Still is to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, But Sundays, so this is my best friend, Crystal. We lived together, and we were, like, perfect roommates. We wish that we could just, like, live together forever. But Sunday, we would go to the press. And I think it was karaoke night, if I remember correctly, like dollar mm. beers or 50 cent beers. Monday, there was this folk musician, Charlie Parr, that would play. And he would play covers. Oh, my and it was God. dollar beer night. So we would go every Monday. I mean, we're talking about Charlie Parr, Charlie Parr, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Charlie Parr? You I did. Charlie I was like, Rush. holy shit. No, no, no. He, oh. he, he <laughs> didn't come to St. Cloud. Oh, okay. This, I was like, cover wow. folk artist, Charlie no, no. Parr. I'm like, This guy Whoa. was Charlie Roth. But he was really great. Yeah. Okay. And um, so we would do that. And then Tuesdays, I think we went to a place called D.B. Searles. That was Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Wednesday was five dollar Long Island night. Ooh. And I'm not talking a pint glass, I'm talking a pitcher. I got you. Okay. Five dollars for a pitcher of Long Island? Yeah. College towns, man. Long Island. Oof. And then Thursday, maybe we went to the red carpet. 
Or we go to another place called the Tavern on Germain. Mm-hmm. And the Rocks, oh, yeah. well, the Rocks was fun because that's where people like Mark Malman would play and like the Melismatics would play. The people from Minneapolis would come play. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend, it was like, whatever. And then on Sunday, we rested. <laughs> and, and prayed. Right. And <laughs> prayed. As it was decreed by the Lord. So we were very social. We were very social. And my husband was a bouncer at the press when he wow. lived there. Oh, so this so, is probably heavy news for him. Yeah. I mean, that was a big part of his like, life. We loved, there was a heavy metal band called Slow Children that played at the press. We mm-hmm. loved to go see them. I remember when Hairball played the first time at the press, he oh, yeah. called us. He's like, you guys got to get down here. There's something happening here. You might be too young. Did the Wanzers ever come up there and play? The Wanzers. Well, that maybe is before my time. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Okay. Well, um, anyway, so I just spent the morning just watching some memories burn to the ground. That's crazy, <laughs> and though. it was probably time. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean. That, that place seems to burn in hell. Wow. I mean. Wow. Yeah. I thought you enjoyed it there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry for the owners and all of that. I but, wonder what yeah. Jill Riley says about me yeah. when I'm not around. Hmm. That burn guy in, should probably hmm. burn in Brian hell. Brian needs to burn in hell. Yeah. No, I'm certain that's not the first time you've said that. <laughs> Jill Riley, um, you know, so obviously people know you from the current these mm-hmm. days and have for many, many years, many, many, many years, Jill Riley. Prior to that, though, you grew up in Hutchinson and Hutchinson's where? West of the Twin Cities? It's west, so if you take Highway 7, yeah. you go west for about an hour, and when you hit farm country, you're almost there, and yeah, that's where I grew up, Hutchinson, Minnesota. Do you know what's weird about this? Is you and I, after working together for more than three years, we interviewed so many people and artists together, interviewing you, it's kind of nice to have you on the spotlight. I want you to imagine me sitting in the shadows and you with a bright light in your face right now. I kind of do. Pop quiz hot shot. So tell me about Hutchinson, because I grew up in Coon Rapids, and you and I have talked about this a lot. But tell me one, I know that people think like, oh, small town Minnesota. Brr. Tell me one good thing that you loved about growing up in Hutchinson. Well, I think it's a really pretty town. It's right on yeah. the river, the Crow River. Um, there's a lot of great history. That town was started by a group of... Um, singing it was like a traveling singing sibling group the hutchinson wow. brothers you're that's kidding where the name comes from i've never heard that story yeah. before so it was i can't remember all their names but but so they just decided to start singing next well, to a river where there were no other people i guess um but like, <laughs> that's a little odd <laughs> native american history runs very deep in that town obviously um there's a big statue of chief little little crow overlooking the the uh, crow river which obviously the name right chief little crow um, but as a town, I mean, it's about thirteen to 14,000 people. Uh, so it's not that tiny. It's not that tiny, it, not but like, everybody knows each other and everybody yeah. knows each other's business. Did, and, you, did your parents move there or did your generations go back further in Hutchinson? Um, my mother's family lived outside of Hutchinson, between Hutchinson and Silver Lake. And Silver Lake is a, um, settled by a lot of Polish people, my people. Um, so my mom went to school in Silver Lake because she went to Catholic school and then, uh, public high school. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he didn't live very far away from the farm where my, my mom lived. He lived just on the other side of the highway, but he went to school in Hutchinson. And so the funny thing is they only, they grew up a couple miles apart, but didn't know each other until after high school when they were introduced. Weird. Yeah. I thought um, you said everyone knew everyone in Hutchinson. Well, but the thing is, my mom's, uh, you were Silver Lake people, oh, my dad, got it. Hutchinson people. So. so it's like the difference between, like, if you're in Alexandria, the people in Eagle Bend, you might not know as well. Oh, sure, okay. I guess. <laughs> now, did you, is it true that you taught Lindsay Whalen how to play Everything basketball? Everything she knows about the game. 
Also um, from Hutchinson, but you're not too far apart in age, are you? No, we're, we graduated together. You did? We played basketball together Oh my gosh, I had we no kids. idea. Now, now so, here's the deal. Yeah. You are dynamic, and you know how I feel about you, and you are a driven force of nature. Could you hang on the same court with Lindsay Whalen? No. You guys remember <laughs> the movie Teen Wolf? Yeah. I mean, she was Michael J. Fox, and the rest of us just kind of But not as hairy. Stood there. Not as hairy. Oh my okay. Uh, but, but, you know, Lindsay was a, she was a hockey player. And oh my gosh. she went to the Catholic school, uh, but she played sports with the public school kids. And she played hockey. And we were short a person. And we're in elementary school. And we yeah. were short a person for a basketball tournament. So uh, this this chick, uh, Emily, I remember she called up Lindsay and said, do you want to play basketball this weekend? Because we're short. And she's like, yeah, great. I'll come and play basketball. Well, I mean. And she'd never played basketball. Like, so did she spring up early? Was she tall back then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but clearly she's athletic. She though. I mean, yeah. she wasn't super tall. She's not a super tall Amazing person. Amazing exactly. But yeah, she yeah. was running the floor. Like, we've never, I had never seen anything like that. I saw her play her sophomore year in high school, and I was like, this is one of the best point guards, male or female, yeah. that I've seen. Being mm-hmm. able to go left and right and just crazy speed. I, she was playing varsity basketball, I yeah. think, in the eighth grade. Yeah. I mean, she moved up. The ranks pretty fast, and I stopped growing, well, vertically. <laughs> when I was in junior high, I just didn't get any taller. Yeah, and my basketball dreams were over. And then I played softball. Like I liked playing softball. My sister was a really good softball her player. Bumps? I wanted to be as good as her, but I played. Well, I liked to play co-ed softball for the Hutch Bowl. Oh, uh, which really messed with my fast pitch skills because you know. Yeah. We're going to talk more about Jill Riley's uh, physical acumen, including, <laughs> including her time in roller derby coming up shortly. But it's been a minute. Oh, oh, dude, this is a, this is such a good story. Oh, I we're found ta- my place there. For we're sure. going to talk more yeah. about that in a minute. But I feel like it's been a minute since we've heard a song. And I would like to hear a song. So every guest on this show, particularly in all female February, well, frankly, every show. But I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the picks people have made. And I already have forgotten what your first song pick was. Are we going to do Leslie Gore? Oh, you want to do that one first yeah. before we what dive into do? it? Well, you tell yeah, let's do Leslie Gore. Do okay. you, you tell me. So before we dive into it, you know, again, I don't think people need to go out of their way to pick cool songs. I don't think people need to justify the things they love. I don't think you get to pick what you love. I just want to know from every guest why this song matters to you. Okay, well, Leslie Gore. So I was listening to my parents' record collections at a pretty young age. And there was a very distinct difference between my mom's records and my dad's records. My mom, uh, she would refer to my dad's records as drug music. (laughs) (laughs) Like the doors, listen to a lot of the doors. But I also like listen to a lot of the Beach Boys with my dad. Um, My dad restores hot rods for a hobby. That's his hobby. And so I'd spend time in the garage listening to the Beach Boys or that drug music, The Doors. And then you look at my mom's collection, and it was all the, like, sunshine pop, very, like, chewy, chewy. Remember that song, Chewy Chewy? I played that song over and over. You have My mom used to listen yeah. to the new Christy Minstrels, yeah. which I think David Crosby spent a yeah. b- very brief amount of time in. But, I mean, like, the sunniest, folkiest, eight-member <laughs> pop group you've right. ever heard of, so that kind of stuff. Nothing controversial about this stuff. Oh, very, very safe. But she also had Tammy Wynette records, and oh, yeah. I, I, I fell in love with Tammy Wynette. She had Leslie Gore's greatest hits, and so I loved, you know, sunshines, lollipops, and rainbows, But and it's my party, and Judy's turn to cry. But it also had the song, You Don't Own Me, and it was so different than 
Leslie Gore, you know, like lamenting over how her boyfriend is treating her. He's going to go off with Judy and I'm going to go cry or else. Then there was the next song, you know, it's Judy's turn to cry. Like it's like it's the another girl's fault. Like we're going to blame the girl because the boy left, you know, it, it like a lot of that kind of stuff. But you don't own me for it being the early 60s. And Leslie Gore is still a teenager. She's 17 years old. For her to sing a song like that, I just it was so influential and it was so different, you know. I think a lot of people are familiar with when, and I hate even, I hate using the term because it shouldn't have to exist, but women's lib became much more of a thing with the later 60s and the early 70s and the notion of, you know, now or equality or at least being given proper consideration, which is kind of what All Female February is about. The fact that you chose that, I mean, that is an early champion from a teen, a, a young woman, a teenage person saying, you don't own me. I am my own person. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. For what, 1963 or 1964? Oh, yeah. And that song was written by two men. But I, I'm curious about what their experience was and who they talked to and and who shared because it is it, that I think that that song should have been written by a woman because it sounds like it was. So I just I wonder what the songwriters like who they talked to and what that experience was. They were the same songwriters that wrote like at the hop and 
Uh, well, they clearly knew how to write a hook. They know how to write a hook. But you're right. That sounds so authentically like what so many young women or older women or middle-aged women or elderly women must feel like. It's like, you don't own me. Mm-hmm. And because I learned about that song from my mom's record collection, it's even more special um, because she, from me being a, at a young age, she's like, you go out, you get your own career. Do not ever depend on a man to take care of you. And don't take any shit from anyone. Don't tell. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. And so I had like I had fire in me from from a young age. You know, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do my thing. I can attest to that, by the way, having uh, sat across from you exactly like this for more than three years. And what I like is, I think early on when you and I first started working together over at the current, um, your guard was up a little bit because you're like, who does this fucking blowhard think he is yeah. coming in here? A little bit, right? I mean, but like we early on, we realized we had a lot in common and we became friends fast. But also, like, you know, there's a tendency in the industry that you've chosen, in the industry I did for 25 years, to be like, hey, I'm the guy and here's the news and weather girl and I, right. I I refuse to let that happen because you and I at least in my estimation we were equals the entire time we worked together or maybe you were even a little better well I I loved radio for I since I can remember I knew I wanted to be on the radio or I wanted to perform in some kind of way see like we talk about Lindsay Whale and being a basketball star mm-hmm. in my high school I, I didn't I wasn't a star at sports but I liked theater and I mm-hmm. liked music and that's what I really got into um, and so I knew that I had some kind of gift for performance, um, not necessarily like a movie star performer, but I, I liked to communicate with people and I had a kind of a decent sounding voice from a young age. And I remember reading announcements in the morning in junior high and the principal like, don't, we're not going to have anybody else do this. This is your gig because we can actually understand what you're saying. <laughs> so I was well, as opposed like to clear, mumbly stumbly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not rocket science, but it's also a specific skill set. Not everybody can do what Jill Riley does. So there was something there from a young age, but I didn't know if that was reality, if that's something, because you know, radio like it is, it's still, it's dying. I mean, it's still happening. It's still prevalent, but it's the kind of career you get into and you just don't know where you're going to land. You might land in a small town in New Mexico. Maybe that would have been the thing that changed my life. I don't know. But I knew I didn't want to move very far away from home. And so I got lucky, you know, landing at the current at a young age and, and given the opportunity to grow up there. Um, but I had a point somewhere here. But I loved radio and, and I always wanted to be a part of the fun that was happening on the air. That's why I liked morning radio. But I didn't have a good female role model and there were some but i didn't want to but not many there weren't many but i didn't want to play that now it's time for traffic and weather with the girl or here let's turn to the dumb girl who likes shopping and we can give her a hard time and she's like i don't know i'm just or the laugh track and you were not the laugh track from a fan perspective and a listener perspective because i listen to you guys a few days a week um, at first I was like, oh shit, is this going to work? Cause it's a bizarre thing to throw two people together, mm-hmm. mm. but you guys developed a give and take and gifting each other on the air pretty quickly. And the chemistry gelled, but I could tell within a few months that you guys actually liked each other mm-hmm. and, and from, helps. from a listener perspective, <laughs> from a listener help. perspective, I was like, all right, I think we're getting someplace with this. Cause I've, you know, I've been a fan of morning radio for years, but 
and loved the station for years, but I was like, oh shit, because you're nervous. It's a weird thing to throw two people together and say, Jill okay, and I, Jill and make I were magic. nervous, man. Jill and I were nervous, and what's weird is eventually I thought it became pretty evident that we, Jill and I became, in fact, so comfortable, relatively quickly speaking, not, you know, week two or anything, but months in, that we became comfortable giving each other a hard time yes. and jabbing each other a little bit, but I always felt like it was good-natured, but it was wild. We would continue to get tweets and emails like, Shit, those guys are fighting this morning. I hope everything's okay. Or, I mean, people would ask our producer, yeah. Anna, like, do they actually like each other? They sound like they're fighting. Is all everything the time. okay? Right. Oh, like, I think it's like an arranged marriage. I mean, putting people together on a on a morning show. It's a bizarre, mm. odd thing that you that somebody says, We think these two would fit together. Because you yourself, because I've been there, I've been on a morning show, I've produced morning shows that it's just an odd thing when a new cast member comes in and you're like so they thought that was a good idea. I'm not oh, sure if it is. But. It doesn't always work. Yeah. No. But, but when it does, it's pretty unique and I, it's pretty I, magical. I feel like I won the lottery. Like I, working with Jill, like I mean, I knew Jill was smart. I knew Jill knew a lot about music. I knew she was not anybody's fool. But that doesn't mean you're going to be friends, right? Mm-hmm. And right. you you don't have to like your coworkers, no matter what mm-hmm. you do for a living. It's just it's a little more public when you're on a morning show. But you don't have to like your coworkers to be a professional. But God Damn, it makes life so much easier when you actually do like your coworkers. And then I've heard him say that at least 1,500 times. But it's never not <laughs> been true. Right. It's never not been true. Before we talk any more to Jill Riley, because I want to talk about her extreme sports lifestyle that she used to lead, <laughs> I do have to knock out one more sponsor, and that would be none other than the man we've been hearing join us today, Sean Bernard. He, in addition to being producer extraordinaire and my business partner, is at the Dyna Realty office of 50th in France. He is a realtor. You serve the whole metro, and here we are. The weather's starting to warm. We're heading into later February. That means things are going to start getting hairy for you and i guess i'm not going to see you as much anymore sad isn't it eh, yes and no universe <laughs> seeks a balance a little column a a little column b with the warming weather though people are starting to get more motivated to think about what they're going to do with their housing situation coming up they are just uh saturday uh had a friend his mom's in assisted living right now we're not sure if mom's going to be able to come back to the house and it was like stepping back in time they bought the house in 72 and they had like the funkiest old carpeting and paneling, and it was so great. They did have two stuffed bananas nailed to the wall. Wasn't sure what that was about, but that's kind of the fun. <laughs> Maybe they won them at a county fair. I don't, you don't know. know. But this is one of the great things about real estate. You don't always Oof. walk into the newly remodeled with all of the you know home and garden blah 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 stuff. Sometimes you walk in and it's like, holy shit, I totally remember going through houses like this when I was a kid. You know, you go to your buddy's place and they'd have the same carpeting. Is there, was there any burnt orange or brown? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that weird, funky green. I don't know what it is. It's almost like a pea green. It's a little deeper than that, but not quite olive green. Yeah. I know what you mean. So... Will anyone buy that house, or does that house need to be refitted? No, they absolutely will. And the great thing about a house like that, it's like the first house I bought, that, I, that I, I'm probably a young couple, wants to do a fixer-upper, and that's all they can afford, and they're going to have to put some elbow grease into it. So they will buy that house, and they'll flip each room by room, you know, uh, and then hopefully make it their own home. It's got great bones, great place. But So reach out at 612-859-2594. Text me if you'd like, 612-859-2594. Or you can go on the web and look up Sean Bernard at Edina Realty. Jill Riley is our guest, and I really do have a 
at the risk of being an emotional old man uh, and kissing someone's ass, a great deal of respect for Jill Riley. I think she's very... Don't you do that to me. <laughs> look at that look. I think she's very, very good at what she does. Plus, she brought me chocolate chip cookies, which I can't say that Sean, despite being a realtor, ever brought me chocolate chip cookies. Um, see, I thought that's what you guys did. I thought you made a house smell like chocolate chip cookies. I do that with my cologne. <sighs> Kidding. Just make it so weird here sometimes. Sorry, sorry. Um, but Jill Riley is, I have nothing but respect for her from a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint. She and I share something, what I like to, what I only have with a couple of people, I like to refer to it as mutually assured destruction. We, in a relatively short period of time, became good enough friends that we have stories that if one of us shared one of those stories about the other, the other one has... It's sort of like uh, intercontinental nuclear warfare. If I were to launch my missiles, she would be able to launch her missiles before mine landed, and that's why I call it mutually assured destruction. But that's also what makes our friendship as deep as it is, and I really, really like it a lot. One of the things that I like about Jill Riley is watching her limp around because she suffered a really terrible injury when she was an extreme athlete. Jill Riley, you... Got into roller derby. Now, before I hear about the story, before I hear about your injury, like, I mean, was it, what was that roller derby movie called with Drew Barrymore and what's her name? Oh, uh, Whip It. Whip It. How did I recall that? I have no idea. Because you're smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> and um, what, what was that the movie that got you in? What made you think, you know what? I am going to put on a fun skirt, ro- uh, roller skates. Was there, a, was there a place to roller skate in your town growing up? How did you start roller no, skating? I didn't really know how to roller skate. I knew how to roller blade. And then decided you were going to be in a violent extreme sport that required roller skating acumen, mm-hmm. even though you'd never done it before. Yeah. So Whippet came after. I mean, Whippet was kind of when roller derby was kind of hitting the peak of popularity. Kind of like that Bike Messenger movie. All right. Yeah. Bike Messenger movie. Oh, I can't think of his name. Anyway, please tell okay, your okay, story. Okay. Yeah. So, um... I got in in the third, it was the third season, Minnesota Roller Girls, which they're now known as Minnesota Roller Derby. They kind of rebranded so that they could be more inclusive. But this is not like on one of those big, uh, arky things. It's like was on the flat Flat floor. Okay, very good. And there are leagues that use the the banked tracks, but this was flat track roller derby. So they started, um, what's the roller rink in Coon Rapids? Is it Cheapskate? Uh, there's a couple of them, but, okay, Cheap, but I think Cheapskate's I, I, the one. I grew up right next to Cheapskate. I, the number, Did you go there? Did you roller skate? All the freaking time. Why didn't we ever go roller skating? Because you are 15 years younger than I am. Yeah. And by the time I sort of wrapped up my roller skating career, if you will, you would have been about two. Okay. And so that's yeah. probably what... Also... I got a bad wheel over here. This this right knee is no longer roller skating friendly. Yeah, well, my ankle is no longer roller skating friendly. So, um, yeah, I went to watch Minnesota Roller Girls. That's what they were called at the time. A cheapskate? At, no, I didn't go to any at cheapskate, but I knew about it when it was happening at cheapskate. And then it was the next season that they moved into the Roy Wilkins Auditorium. For, I had no idea they started in Coon Rapids. Yep, so it was the Was that McDonald's the across season. the street? And it was Kitty Corner to Anoka County, uh, or Anoka Hennepin Technical College. Man, I... I've spent a little time on Coon Rapids Boulevard. I'm going to be honest. That's yeah, my, that's that's my turf. Yeah. That's what I heard. Easy, Jill. Uh, anyway, finish your story. <laughs> so I just loved it. I fell in love with it right away. And what I loved is that there were people of all backgrounds, all sizes, all shapes and sizes, because you need like... You need the tough blockers, and then you need the really fast jammers, the the people that score the points. 
And so, and I loved how aggressive it was. I loved that it was there. At the beginning, it was a mixture of, you know, sports entertainment, but also it takes like a lot of athleticism to be able to play. That's what I wanted to ask is because the way you said sports entertainment, but it also does, I mean, it requires real physical skill and ability. But I mean, the same thing holds true for professional wrestling. Even if it's been determined weeks in advance how it's going to go, there's no question that those athletes are putting themselves through incredible amounts of abuse. Was there ever, and I want you to be honest with me because you and I are friends, Jill Mm -hmm. Riley, was there ever a single bout, what do you call them, bouts, Mm -hmm. matches? Yep, bout. Was there ever a single bout that you were involved in that the outcome was not predetermined? Oh, no, the outcome was never predetermined. But the the fights, like the fighting wasn't... Well, of course the fighting is silly, but I, I'm also calling bullshit. There was never a time where someone sat down and like, look, the so-and-so, so-and-sos haven't won in four weeks. We're letting them win tonight because no. we've got to keep the league competitive. Uh-huh. And I played on the, the garter belts, and I don't know that the garter belts have even won a championship to this day. Maybe once. Okay. But I kind of, I've lost track of what's been going on with roller derby but what did you like most about roller derby I mean, like would i mean so the fighting obviously would get a little theatrical but i mean did you ever throw a real bow i mean did you ever really clock someone or oh yeah yeah and if you could land a solid hit just a solid clean <laughs> hit yeah that was the most satisfying thing i will admit i played a little dirty sometimes you are straight slithering was, it's not even funny <laughs> you are so slithering but that it's not was funny like, that was the sports entertainment part that i liked because that was still there when i was playing who was that entertaining for certainly not the woman who took your elbow no, to the ribs but for the crowd yeah yeah and there were four thousand people in the I crowd know there were. it's very very popular mm-hmm. so you at one point though and I, I hate to talk about the ignominious end of your career um, you suffer literally a career ending injury mm-hmm. and how long, so how long had you been playing before this happened? Okay. So I started the third season and that was in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, for, the tryout nearly killed me because the head coach was a like army ranger. I mean, he ran a tight ship and I'm like, I can't do this. It was a four hour trial, but what got me into the league is that, I mean, I was crawling by the end. And they're like, you had heart. That's why we picked you. Oh. I'm like, okay, great. Well, good. I'm glad I didn't give up. Wait, wait. Jill Riley has determination. Are you <laughs> sure? <laughs> yeah, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do it. So, um, yeah, it, it was like a big learning curve. I had to learn to roller skate. I Roller skates are different. They feel like um, a skateboard. It's weird to me that you got into this sport not knowing how to roller skate because that's like the fun. It's like, you know what? I'm going to play hockey, but I've never really been on ice skates <laughs> before. I played a little broom hockey, but I'm going to, I'm going to, tr- that's weird to me. But yeah. that also, I think, is a testament to who you are. So I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just like tightened up the trucks on the bottom so that I wouldn't have that leaning, <laughs> you know, that leaning feeling. But I learned how to skate. Um, I got in a really good shape the first season. I'd say the second season I played, I was probably in the best shape of my life. And then the third season, I you know I was. I had switched to mornings. I wasn't as dedicated to derby. I was like falling out of shape. And that probably had something to do with my injury. So it was the championship game. It was the Rockets against the Garda Belts. I played on the Garda Belts. And I loved that team. We were, we had the reputation 
for we may not win on the track, but we always won the after party. I mean, we were like <laughs> we were the fun, yeah. we were the fun team, and I fit in with those girls. You know, like we had such a bond, and it was great. You join Roller Derby, all of a sudden you had 80 friends. And that was important for me at the time because I had moved to St. Paul. I didn't really know anyone. So that was um, that was a cool thing for me to join. So it's the championship game, and it is neck and neck. And we're like, this is going to be our year. We even made some like some kind of questionable trades right before <laughs> the championship out. I mean, You could trade players yeah, from well, team to team? We found a loophole to do a trade outside. Yeah. It's whatever. This sports sounds This sports sounds only a little less dirty than cockfighting. But, like, I, seriously. <laughs> but that season was really strong for our team. Uh, like, we had traveled to Cincinnati and we played their all star team, and it was really close. So, we were at a really good point. And it was, it happened so fast. I was a blocker, and I my job was to, like, basically hug the inside line with my butt. Like, that's the advantage of having a big ass is like you wow. can't get around this thing unless you're really fast and then I can't keep up with you. Mm. But um, I took I took a hit to the back, which it happens. It happened. You know, I wasn't sore about it, but I took a hit to the back. My skate got caught on the oh. track light. I kept going. My skate did not keep oh. going. And I knew something happened. I mean, I felt and I'm like, oh, I must have sprained my ankle. So I was skating on one skate. I skated because I was such like team mentality and I didn't mm. want the jam, the two minute jam to stop. Mm-hmm. I skated <laughs> off the track on one skate and then I hit the ground on my butt. Well, before I hit the ground on my butt, I had tried to put my other foot down and oh, I touched no. my ankle to the floor. I didn't touch my wheels to the floor. So my foot was like on oh. sideways and th- it was a big, I mean, it was a big injury, and I only really remember two Oof. minutes of it, but I was laying on the floor with the EMTs trying to get my skate off, and I was begging one of the referees to knock me out, and I don't remember that, but I was like, please, and that guy, was when I see him, we had a reunion um, maybe about last year, he said, I'll never forget you grabbing my arm, begging me to punch you just to knock you out, and he's like, you really think I was going to do that in front of 4,000 people? It's <laughs> like knock you, knock a woman out on the foot. No, that wasn't going to happen. But, yeah. but that was the end. I mean, that was a pretty serious injury, and I had to have screws put in. I had surgery. When your leg is bending a different direction than what it used to go, oh. or your ankle or any joint, I would say that that is a wildly significant injury. And um, and a lot of uh, beer oof. was being poured at, you know, at bouts. I mean, people were there having fun. And mm-hmm. my husband, I remember he had indulged in the, I don't know if it was Summit or Surly or well, I don't remember, like it was PBR at one time. But I mean, that was a big part of the culture was like, you know, slam some beers and watch roller derby. And um, and I remember being in the emergency room and my, my husband looking at my foot, he's like, I don't think it looks that bad. I think we'll be able to go to the after party. I'm like, and that's when I kicked him out. I'm like, get out. Just get out. And when he came back, he came back just in time for my leg to be set. And I remember, I'll never forget looking at him. And he was eating beef jerky out of a bag. And he's like, oh, this is going to be good. And uh, they give you that medicine, like the amnesia medicine. Yeah, yeah, the milk of amnesia. I was awake. But I don't remember them setting my leg. But he said my eyes practically popped out of my head. I'm sure you screamed like crazy. Yeah. They're resetting your bones. I know. It was terrible. But anyway, like since then, I mean, really, like the um, the consequence of that injury is that I now have arthritis in that ankle. And I'm telling you, like, when the weather changes, that's a real thing. 
And when I've been on my feet too long, that's a real thing. And the pain is like, it is like a stabbing, just like a nerve on nerve kind of pain. Grandpa can relate. I had a similar nerve injury when I was only 20, which was some time ago. Um, And when you're in your 20s, you're fine. You bounce right back. Everything's cool. I'm good to go. No problem. And then a few years later, you're like, ah, it's a little sore. Clicks once in a while. And mm-hmm. no, this day and age, I just tweaked it yesterday. And um, well, you and I have a story where I tweak it down to a note that we may or may not get to. In the meantime, uh, I love that story, but I want to talk more about Jill Riley and what she's like in this modern day and age. But it's again, it's been a minute since we've heard a song. What's your second song? Oh, uh, uh, what did I pick? The Pill? Yes. Loretta Lynn. Yeah, that's a good one. This is another one well before, I mean, I guess I don't know the year this particular song came out, but I feel like women's lib was still sort of a fanciful notion among the liberal or the sort of progressive. And certainly for Loretta Lynn to do a song like this to me, Especially at that time. Now, Loretta Lynn, it doesn't surprise me that she was a powerful woman who was like taking control of the situation. But it does surprise me that this song happened and got approval and made it on a record when it actually happened. And it took a while for it to get approval and to be released. So Loretta Lynn, The Pill. I don't know if uh, how many podcasts. I've been getting more and more into podcasts, listening to podcasts, especially when I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is one, it's called Cocaine and Rhinestones. And the guy that does Go it. Go on. The guy that does <laughs> it, it's all of these stories about the history of country music. Mm-hmm. And the guy that hosts it and researches it and tells all the stories, he's the son of Dave and Alan Coe. So he has seen oh, wow. some things. I bet. You know, he's like heard some stories firsthand. And that really got him interested in telling stories of, of country music and you know my brian i love classic country music you've turned me on to more classic country like growing up i didn't dislike it i just didn't have much exposure to it other than waylon willie the outlaws so you're jesse coulter and stuff like that and some of the more obscure like texas songwriters uh like uh guy clark and jerry jeff walker that was the stuff my dad had but there's so much deep old school stuff that you have turned me on to that i've never heard of before this is your wheelhouse yeah and i i mean i love outlaw country because i love that whole rejection of the polished nashville sound but then i also really love the polished nashville sound um but yeah so the pill so this is like mid-70s i mean this is like second wave feminist uh feminism at its like at its height but even for the mid-70s if i may is this is still a pretty a a pretty forward song this is very adventurous when especially if you consider the south in the mid-70s yes Feminism is second wave, but in the South, there's still sort of a rejection and an adherence to an old schooler culture that this is this is still a revolutionary song. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, doctors were even saying that song had a had a better impact and a wider influence on people finding out about birth control than any brochure that could be in a doctor's office. And when I listened to that podcast um, cocaine and rhinestones. It wasn't so much that like, my belief was that the song was banned or, you know, country music wouldn't play it, or there was a reluctance from the people in charge at record companies to put it out. And I thought it was because of just birth control being controversial. And because that made sense to me. Like it was such a taboo thing for a woman to take control and take the pill so that she could enjoy sex. Right. And, and, What really, like, he got me thinking, the host of that podcast, what he got me thinking about is it's not so much about, like, 
just talking about birth control and like birth control is immoral and all that, right? It was more about it was more about a woman just wanting to enjoy sex. Like that concept was enough to offend the men in charge at the record companies. Wait, are we still cool with that? Is it okay if women enjoy sex? Right, because, you know, or like if a a program director at a country music radio station felt threatened by that. Yes. You know, just that very idea. And they might still today. like yes. Of a woman taking charge. Yes. You don't have, even though there are popular women artists... Think about a program director at a country music station today. It would be very easy to, for lack of a less lazy term, to trigger them. This song, for 1975, this song's revolutionary. Yeah, and and look at what Margot Price, I mean, look at her today. She's singing about the pay gap. And that she was told that could end her career, a song like Uh. that. And she's like, I don't care. This is a real thing, and this is what I want to sing about. So... I don't know. It didn't end Loretta Lynn's career at all, but it's just one of those songs that you listen to it and it's more, it's, it's, it, there's so much more than just the surface of the, it's like you go underneath and you think about like that whole idea of, you know, second wave feminism and just women wanting to take control of their own bodies. And that would go on to influence, you know, third wave feminism and like kind of this era of me too that we're in now. So that's why I picked it. Show me the world But all I've seen of this old world Is a bed and a doctor bill I'm tearing down your brooder house Cause now I've got the pill All these years I've stayed at home While you had all your fun And every year that's gone by Another baby's come There's a gonna some changes made right here on Nursery Hill. You set this chicken your last time, cause now I've got the pill. This old maternity dress I've got is going in the garbage. The clothes I'm wearing from now on won't take up so much yardage. Mini skirts, hot pants. A few little fancy frills Yeah, I'm making up For all those years Since I've got the pill I'm tired of all your crowing How you and your hens play While holding a couple in my arms Another's on the way This chicken's done for a pernet
Loretta Lynn. Also, Jill Riley. It's the Brian Oak Show. I want to thank the good people at AudioQuip.com. That is AudioQuip, as in AudioEquipment.com. Nate, Topher, Patrick, Rob, everybody who works over there and their early, unquestioning support of what we're trying to do here at the Brian Oak Show. But that's the real question, Sean. What are we trying to do here at the Brian Oak Show? I think we're trying to have really good local people on that have made an impact in the community. And Jill is that all over. Oh, completely. Well, also, as I said, one of the smartest, most talented, and frankly, driven people ever. And all I'm going to say about Jill Riley, and we're not quite done yet, but all I'm going to say is stay on her good side. Mm, yeah, it's good. Is that fair? That's very fair. <laughs> yeah, no, I That's just... good advice. Yeah, no, like, again, doesn't mean you have to capitulate. She likes to spar, but just, you know, if you start to see that look in her eyes... Back your shit up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was thinking on the way over here. I'm like, if Brian introduces me as bright and or capable, I was going to punch oh. you right in the newts. Did I say either of those things? <laughs> you did. Okay. So I'm really proud of you. Right in the newts. No, I don't. I don't find you bright. I find you incredibly intelligent, and I find you, frankly, fairly formidable. <laughs> so, I, I, what I like about being around you, Jill Riley, is I never relax. And that doesn't mean that it's tense, doesn't mean it's stupid. It means that it keeps me sharp and it makes me try to continue to be better, which is why when I asked you about doing this, I'm like, well, I used to work at The Current and things didn't end there well for me. I'm like, they're never going to let her fucking come on this show. And apparently, they did. So it's really nice to have you here. Would you say no to me? To go on your show? No, but I mean... <laughs> no, nobody oh, would. Oh, you like, mean, would oh, the people you work for? Right. Not if they fucking know it's good for them. <laughs> but I mean, I, I am a professional. Of I'm course a trusted you are. person. Yes. I have a reputation well, deal. for doing... Like, I know who I work for. I know who I represent. You know? Yeah, well, at one point, I also had that reputation. Mm-hmm. But those things change. Bye. <laughs> reputation, Leisha. <laughs> Did you call me reputation, Leisha? I want to share two very quick stories before we get out of okay. here. Um, but first of all, Jill Riley, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I love you. You know that, right? I know. I love you, too. All right, good. Uh, Adele uh, accidentally re- re- confirmed that she's putting a new record out in September. She was singing at a friend's wedding party, which, what's that like? You're at your wedding, you're like, oh, hey, my friend Adele's going to jump up and just sing a couple quick songs. Well, I think this was a pretty famous friend, Yeah, it was. It was. But also, yeah. she's got a new record coming out in September, which I like because I've always been a fan of Adele's. And um, recently, like, I don't know, TMZ or somebody's like, new photos show that Adele's lost more than 100 pounds. It doesn't matter what she weighs. She's one of the most important figures in music in the 21st century. She literally three different times saved the music industry from record sales with her first three albums. Like, the record industry, I don't know if anyone noticed, is still spiraling, still contracting. And so without Adele, so I just have my fingers crossed. I mean, you're still an Adele fan, yeah? I love Adele. Um, and I'm so glad. I was just thinking about her this morning. And this is like where I miss having that mind meld with yeah, someone. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about Adele. And yeah, so she has dropped a bunch of weight. And she's talked about her. She wanted to be more healthy. She has a child. She wants to be able to keep up with her child, right? But it's never going to be enough because now that she... Has a thinner frame. She's now she's going to be too skinny. Right before oh, she yeah. was too fat. Now yep. she's going to be too skinny. And we're worried about her. Is she not eating enough? Right. And I did you did you watch the Taylor Swift documentary? Yet? I did not, but hey, I do put have it on my. Your list. I did. I do have my Taylor Swift. I see that you watched up. it. I did. It I have my daughter. such a new respect for Taylor mm-hmm. Swift after watching it. And Taylor Swift talked about having an eating disorder because yes. that's the same thing. It was never enough. 
Taylor Swift, she's too skinny, yep. but she doesn't have a butt. And then when she did have a butt, then she was too fat. I mean, it like, I don't know. I personally, now for me, I changed my diet a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I've lost about 60 pounds. And I did so, one, because I have a child and I want to keep up with him. Two, having arthritis in the ankle, the more weight you're carrying, the more that's going to hurt. Mm. And I know that. Um, I had a male doctor that was really cruel to me about oh. it. And maybe you remember that, Brian. How uh, you told me I the story. I hated it. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't so much like, here's a thing you could do to lessen the pain. It was, he said, it's a real shame that a young woman like you is carrying so much weight. Like, oh that's God. what he said. And I thought, well, maybe it is a shame. Okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 but, no, no, but it's not a shame. <laughs> Fuck you. It, yeah. it might be your situation. Right. There shouldn't be any shame involved in right. it. Maybe it's advisable to change that situation, or maybe this is just the way things are. A shame Shame shouldn't mm-hmm. be part of the word. I fucking hate that. Because shame did nothing to help me. It only made it worse. Right. And so, you know, I look at these artists like, again, Adele and your Taylor Swifts and and anyone who is, you know, it's never going to be enough. You're either going to be too fat or too thin. And I wish that that wasn't part of it. I mean, I'm happy for Adele that she's feeling better. You know, the she worked t- her ass off, yeah. it sounds like, to lose the weight. And it's not easy to lose 100 pounds. And it's pounds. not easy. But, it's not easy God. to lose 60 if she, pounds. No. You know? If she gains the weight back, it'll still be okay. Yes. It's right. her life. She, it's her. Mind your own fucking right. business. Yep. What about that? I just, I always thought Adele was just gorgeous yeah, the way too. she was. Me I mean, too. striking. Like when she was in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just, I remember just staring at her. You know, I was, we were about as far apart as we are right yeah. now. Just a couple of feet yeah. apart. And I'm just like, you are gorgeous she's amazing it doesn't matter so here's part of the reason i'm so glad you're saying all these things one of the reasons i want to do all female february is i'm not looking to get a pat on the back for like good for you standing up for women it's time for the fucking tyranny and the bullshit to end it really i mean it really fucking is Mm -hmm. like and 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 even among dudes or women against women i mean like they're just all of it has to stop we all have to take a deep breath and i know there's a lot of unhappiness but pointing out what you, and I understand how the media works. I'm not a fucking complete naive idiot, right? Like, it's like, oh, she's skinny. Oh, she's fat. Like, that will never, ever go away. But in terms of how we treat one another, in terms of how we amplify, in terms of how we express and we talk and we interact, it's got to get better. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, and it's nice to hear from people who are like, hey, you look healthier, you look like you have more light in your eyes. Right. And, yeah. You know, you just you look happier. The, I like hearing that because it's a lot of work to change habits and to lose weight and whatever. But um, one thing I'm really careful about is to not get too far into the vanity part of yes. it. Right. Because if I because I grew up, even though I had a mom who was like, don't worry about that stuff and you be you and, you mm-hmm. know, be tough and don't take anyone's crap. We don't live in that world. I still based my value on my physical appearance. Mm-hmm. And as much as like I tried to fight that, and that could be, I mean, for some people, I think that'd be a surprise to hear that about me. Mm. But deep down inside, I I place so much value in what other people thought of how I looked. And, and that's hard even in what I do. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to be on the radio is because I didn't want people to know what I looked like. I wanted them to get to know me without any sort of physical appearance attached to it. I liked the mystery of that. But once we got into the era of like, Photos and personal appearances and videos on the mm-hmm. internet, man. Some of the shit that I have like taken <laughs> mm, from yeah. people. I mean, and it's like, oh, well, you have to have a thick skin and you have to shake it off. But 
like some of it really hurt, you know, yeah. and and it would either it was it was shame, which made it worse mm-hmm. and and really like fueling a lot of anxiety and oh, and thank God I've gotten some of that stuff under control. And the older I get, you know, it's like I'm learning to let a lot of that kind of stuff go. That is one of the great advantages of getting older. I'm 51 years old now, and the number of fucks I have left to give, Mm -hmm. you can hold them in a small basket. Um, And it's, you know, I mean, obviously I have to have some concerns, but as far as what people's opinions are, Oh, like what? What do you call it? The double whammy? The double whammy. Oh, d- double whammies <laughs> all the way around. They're flipping people off. And again, right and now. I don't, I don't <laughs> wish anyone ill, but like, you know, when you talk about the way that the world treated you and the way that you you talk about, and I know we got to wrap this up here soon, but the way that you know it, it impacted you, I think that it's gotten worse and more focused with each and every generation. As hard as it was for you, I've got a twenty-one-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and I watched her in her teen years. Right in the crosshairs. And even though she was doing great, she was gorgeous, she was thin, she was killing it in grades, she, because of the way the internet is and because of the callous nature of the way we interact with each other, I think that's what I was trying to say before. There will always be media. There will always be people who are pieces of crap. But we have to find a way to start being better to one another. doesn't mean you have to love everybody, but it means you have to find kindness in your heart. As silly as that might sound, I don't really believe that it's silly at all. I watched my daughter go through some very, very dark periods of self-hatred. She's better now, but she's not perfect, you know, and she's 21 now. And um, no, I'm not perfect. I mean, I'm like crawling out of that hole. And I think it's just because of age and experience and reprioritizing. And I have a four-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Like, he is what I care about. Yep. I, you yeah. know, and it's it breaks my heart that someone felt that they had to be so cruel like, where does that cruelty yeah, come from? Insecurity. And why do you have to, like, what drove you to have to be so cruel to a stranger? I you think know, that's the co- part that really hurts yeah, me. A combination yeah. of unhappiness, and then there's a lot of unhappiness out there. Insecurity I, and fear, and yes. I know that that's but part also, of it. But also the bulletproof feeling that social media gives you, like, there won't be any repercussions. Like, most of the people who said the terrible things to you, or to my daughter, or to me, or to sh- whoever... Mm-hmm. Those people, if they were sitting down next to you and spent five minutes talking to you, they would never even think about saying something like mm-hmm. that. But we're on the internet. I see this video of you. Oh, fuck you, Jill. Right. Like, just like, and like, I'm, so it's, um. Hey, you like eating? Yeah, dude, I do. Oh. I love eating. You yeah. want to hear a fun, quick story? We can cut this if we need to. But, it's got to uh, be quick. I went, we to, are well I, I went to my 20 year reunion and I grew up in Phoenix. So people hadn't seen me for 20 years. I gained 80 pounds. Graduated with almost a thousand students. Uh-huh. They thought it'd be fun if they gave me the most changed award because I gained seventy five ah. pounds. So in front of everybody, they held up a sign and said, "Most changed, Sean Bernard." And I was like, "It was mm. so fucking cruel that mm. I had people come up and say, I am so sorry that that happened.' Yeah, people to you. that actually have good hearts are saying that is cruel. Yeah, that's what happened. But right. I, I literally went up there and I was like, "Fuck you guys! You know what a shitty thing to do to another human uh-huh. being." Yeah. You know, and the guys that did it thought, oh, this is hilarious, you know, and I was like, well. It's like, it, clearly you haven't changed since high yeah, school. Yeah. the least changed? I won't be seeing them when I'm in Phoenix next week. Let's just say that. Right. What, what reunion was that? My That was my 20. 20. I didn't go to 30. So. Yeah. No, I went to one and I decided, you know what? I'm cool. I went to my 10 <laughs> and that wasn't enough time for things to change. Oh. I was like. No, I'm good. So now I have our anti-reunion with my friends. All right, we really do have to wrap this up. Um, 
before I say thank you to Jill Riley, Premium Rush is the name of the movie I was thinking of with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where he was a bicycle messenger. So I was talking well, about... I don't know that I've seen that. I've seen that. I was talking about how Whippet was like sort of the that moment of cultural zeitgeist oh, for sure, roller sure. derby. Mm-hmm. There was a while, and you brought up PBRs, like if I went to Urban Wildlife downtown or something... Um, all these guys drinking PBR tall boys who had their bike messenger bags on them. I mean, it was a thing for a minute. Bike <laughs> messengers were an actual thing. There was a certain tang in the air when a bunch of them Oof. got together. But well, they I will ride say, around all day. I'll say the same thing tang. for uh, the roller derby. Oh, oh I, I don't I want to end the show this I way. I have the stinkiest skate bag. I will tell you that right now. Like, my friends were angry with me at practice. Like, have you ever washed the equipment that goes in there? I'm like, I lined it with uh, dryer sheets, and they're like, no, that's not the same. Not good enough. As hot water and soap. <laughs> if we're if the three of us are ever in a punk ba- band, I think it's Stinky Skate Bag is what we're going to call Stinky it. That's not bad. Uh, and our first EP is going to be the promo tag for Premium Rush with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is Ride Like Hell. Because apparently he accidentally picked up a a thing he had to deliver that's on the run from the mob or who gives a fuck. I don't care. We're we're, we're going to get out of here. Um, Jill Riley, you um, are the host of The Current's Morning Show, 89.3. The current. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the host of that. I'm also the host of 1071 The River, the valley's home for classic rock. It is lovely to see your face again and to share some mic time. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, we could we could just keep going. Well, come back, come back can, sometime. Can, please. can we do it again? Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about Derby, I'm like, oh, I'd want to talk about like first wave feminism and second wave and then going into Great. third Hell wave yeah. feminism okay. with roller derby. Yeah, yeah. well, this is to show that this is like a news magazine. We don't really care. We just want to hear the interesting sound bites you have. We're going to boil this down to about 15 minutes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I love you, Jill Riley. going to boil it down to like, I like to eat. Brian's <laughs> <laughs> been to lunch with Take me. Take that. Take that, Jill. Uh, you've been to lunch with me, too. Yeah. Okay. Let's get some chicken um, wings. Before, Let's do it. I, I don't like chicken Wings, but you but know I do. I know you do, do but too. there are lots of other things I like. So um, two things. One, actually, you know, I might say this for the next show, but my daughter, out of nowhere, surprised me buying tickets to the Cruel World Festival, yep. which is coming up in early May. That lineup looks fake. So this is a real thing? It's a real yeah. thing. What's great is that Morrissey's the headliner. So right before the headliner starts, we can get the fuck out of there and beat most of the traffic out as of there. As soon as Morrissey starts... I am out of here. <laughs> oh, Jill, people don't even appreciate how good that line oh. is. Bauhaus, Blondie, Devo, Echo and the Bunnymen, Psychedelic for We better be real because we dropped some money on tickets <laughs> and airfare just the other day, and I'm unemployed other than this fantastic <laughs> podcast. By the way, thanks to Smart Start MN. Thanks to AudioQuip. Thank you, Sean Bernard. Thank you, Jill Riley. We do have to get out of here, and I want to end with this only because it was such a remarkable event. Now, this song is by no means her best song. But Billie Eilish sweeping the top four awards at the Grammys, you would agree with me, this is a remarkable and, frankly, unprecedented achievement? Yeah, and um, I I didn't see that coming. I oh. really didn't. And once it was happening, when I was watching the Grammys, I just she couldn't see it coming either. That's what Nobody I loved. saw it coming. Yeah. I loved how shocked she was. Well, you, I mean, you and I, when we still worked together last year, I told you it was my favorite record that had come mm-hmm. out so far that year, and I, I did say that. But what surprised me more than anything is she wrote an album that appealed equally to the balding, white ponytailed, sports coat wearing members who occupy most of the Grammy board. 
as well as young people, which is sort of unprecedented. Nobody really crosses all those boundaries. She and obviously her brother together. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was really, really remarkable. And now, even though I think you and I both agree, it's by no means the most dynamic Bond theme we've ever heard, but she's been tapped to do the new Bond theme. Yeah, I heard it, and I'm like, well, it's it's dramatic. Yeah. It sounds like a Bond theme. Yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah. Oh, great. Good for you, Billie Eilish. Do you promise that you'll come back, Joe Riley? Sure. At, le- at least to sit in this room and we'll eat nachos or something? Nachos. I'll bring cookies. You already so brought cookies this yeah. time. It's really good to see you. That's the kind of tough girl I am. <laughs> Got I'll that. cut you down, oh. but I'll still bring you cookies. God, the Jill Riley story. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's there so good. Go. Sean, thank you very much. And thank here you. is Billie Eilish, the theme for the new Bond movie, No Time to Die, on The Brian Oak Show. You're no love. 